welcome to another edition of Puck Talk. I am your host, Spider Jack, a.k.a. Jack Woods. In studio with me today is Coach Columbus, a.k.a. Matt Puste. Matt, how you doing today? Doing well. Excited to be back from uh, from our little one-week hiatus for, for <laughs> fall break. Uh, felt like I was uh, going through withdrawals from... Uh, from not having any puck talk on uh, on a Friday. Oh my gosh, I I, I was uh, just chomping at the bit to get back in this studio, and uh, it was a break for me. I decided that uh, I wasn't going to do homework, I wasn't going to read, I wasn't going to uh, eat properly, and this last week has definitely made me pay for that. So uh, it's definitely glad to be back into a routine, and it's certainly glad to be uh, good to be talking about hockey again. So we'll just run through the standings real quick in the Eastern Conference. The Washington Capitals currently uh, hold a lead in the Metropolitan Division with 17 points, and the Carolina Hurricanes and the New York Islanders are in second and third, respectively. The Buffalo Sabres are in first with the Atlantic Division holding down, and then uh, the Boston Bruins and the Florida Panthers are in second and third. In the Western Conference, the Pacific Division, the Edmonton Oilers sustaining 17 points. First in the Pacific Division, followed swiftly by Vegas with 14 points and Calgary with 13. And then lastly, in the Central Division, the Colorado Avalanche have overtaken the St. Louis Blues since the last time we talked with 15 points. And Nashville and St. Louis are tied for second with 13 points each. Matt, what are your first impressions of the last two weeks of hockey? I think uh, you start to see uh, which teams are are for real. Uh Still a small sample size, obviously. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of teams. Certainly, you, you get the extreme example of uh, the St. Louis Blues of last year, where it's uh, the, the you know the mighty comeback into the the run into the Stanley Cup. But right after ten ten games, you at least get to see who has a chance at being real and who is definitely just a pretender. Mm-hmm. When we talked last. Uh, and it's it's funny what a difference two weeks makes, because uh, when we talked last, there was a, if you looked at, uh, I believe it was maybe the hockey news that that put out a poll question where it was like, which of these teams is going to be you know there at the end or something? And the four choices were the Buffalo Sabers, the Flyers, the Wings, and uh, the Oilers, and the Wings at the time were. Uh, we're riding some hot streaks from uh, Tyler Bertuzzi and, uh, mm-hmm. and Anthony Mantha, and they have done nothing but fall off the cliff after <laughs> after that. <laughs> and uh, and but then surprisingly, uh, and, and the the Flyers have have done that in a way. They're they're they haven't gone away completely, obviously, but they're uh, they, they've done a, a ton of travel. They've mm-hmm. had a, a rough rough stretch of uh, of road games, but um, but they're kind of uh, I guess hanging out in the in the mushy middle there. Yeah, and then uh, but the the Oilers and the Sabers, who knew would uh, would keep it going for another two weeks? So you know, and uh, going off of that, I think that they had to ride Jack Eichel. The yes. Buffalo Sabers had to ride Jack Eichel, and. He's certainly ridden, <laughs> and so is Carter Hart, Carter Hutton, former Nashville Predator goaltender. But uh, you know, they have put together a great couple of games, and now it's starting to show. I don't know if it's sustainable, purely because I don't know how depth scoring is going to affect them in the dog days of the NHL season, or you know, December through February. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, when I look at 
uh, teams like you know the Washington Capitals who are riding John Carlson and Alex Ovechkin, I think that's sustainable. Mm-hmm. When I uh, look at teams like um, the Colorado Avalanche, who in spite of losing Nate uh, Miko Rantanen to injury for a couple mm-hmm. of weeks, they're still playing well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that Rantanen's injury was a little bit recent, so it's kind of hard to speculate how that team's going to play out. But they've had fantastic goaltending in Philip Grubar and Pavel Frankus. So, you know, I, I like to say that the Avalanche are going to continue this run. Uh, I'm not really surprised that Detroit fell off the map. I feel like after that win in Nashville, they just kind of trailed off. But the team that's most surprising me right now is the Tampa Bay Lightning because they have stuck Nikita Kucherov on the third line. Who knows what the, the thought <laughs> is there. Uh, I, 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 I can get an idea of spreading out guys so that you have you have a real weapon on on the ice almost at all times. I, right. I, I understand that. But at the same time, Kucherov is, is one of the the, the best uh, talents in the league. Mm-hmm. Why would you why would you waste him with uh, uh, with not putting the very best people around him? Mm-hmm. Yes, he can do it he can create by himself and things like that. But why not give him someone yeah. who can dish it to him? Why not give give him someone that can actually put the puck in the net when he uh when he tosses it their way? Yeah, and you know, it's it's quite amazing to see how some coaches think and see how, you know, okay, well maybe if this maybe this will work or, you know, maybe that'll work, but I I I don't know. The way that Edmonton has set up their team is exactly the way you said. They're going to put their best guys with their best guys. Mm-hmm. As you can see with Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl last night with a 3 on 3 in overtime. It's like Sure, you could put McDavid with Neil, or you could put McDavid with uh, Nugent Hopkins, or you could put McDavid with somebody else, and it could potentially work. But why would you not put it with uh, put him with Drysaddle? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! Um, and one of the unknown highlights that will go on because McDavid couldn't finish it was uh, Drysaddle's like hundred foot backhand pass, the backhand like uh, just perfect dime pass to uh to mcdavid who was who hit him in full stride oh my gosh all by himself in the middle of the ice it's uh it's one of those if 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 you're lucky enough to have nhl tv or center ice or or whatever package uh uh, you're working on uh it is completely worth it to scoreboard watch for the oilers and hope that they get to overtime because it's absolutely must see tv to be able to watch uh McDavid and Dreisaitl in the open ice like that. Oh my gosh! And, and, and you know, I, I I kind of expected it to come because once I saw McDavid and Dreisaitl on a two-on-one against, uh, I, I'd say a declining Braden Holtby, it appears. Sure. Um, it's like oh, game over, game over. And for those of you who didn't see it, Dreisaitl passes it. Uh, to McDavid in one face-off circle. McDavid says, no, nah, I don't really want it, and Drysaddle gets it right back and scores. I thought that that was great. Um, of these four teams, of the Sabres, the Capitals, the Avalanche, and the Oilers, the division leaders, who do you see will maintain their dominance? Because I'm going to go ahead, and I'm going to go and say 
the Colorado Avalanche. I say in spite of uh, Ranthanen's injury, I think that the Avalanche, um, their goal differential right now is a positive 12, and that's leading the NHL. So, obviously, I, I got to say the Avalanche for that specific reason. I don't think that their scoring slows down in the coming weeks. I think with the Edmonton Oilers and the Buffalo Savers, it's all dependent on uh, their top guys. And I don't necessarily think that McDavid and Drysaddle can do everything. And I don't think Eichel can do everything in order to maintain that top position. But, Matt, what's your position? Uh, I'd hate to, uh, I would hate to agree with you, but sadly, I think. Th- I, I'm I'm real big on the Avs right now, um, yeah. because I, I see that as a real deep forward group. Um, I think that uh, I think they have three lines that can that can do a little bit of damage, and then uh, line four for them has a bunch of guys who uh, it's it's the classic like energy line, right? You know where they <laughs> they, they can bang around a little bit, but then. Um, uh, they they do have guys who can still put it in the net, but uh, the all in, instead of just agreeing with you, I'll I'll tell you why I don't think that Buffalo can can keep it going. Why Washington will come back down to earth a little bit, and uh, and Edmonton it, Edmonton it just feels like you're just waiting for it to happen. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, then, she's uh, about to drop. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Uh, Mike Smith will have a game where he's going to let in four or five yeah. you know uh just because of the, his aggressive style it's got it, it'll just happen sometime now the question is can can uh, those top guys for for the oil keep it going uh through something like that mm-hmm. now buffalo like you said if if jack eichel goes down that's a completely different team mm-hmm. um it's a it's a it's a team that works well together but it's uh because I do, I do kind of keep keep up with Buffalo since I was a, a Sabres fan before there was a uh, a Jackets. But uh, uh, but it, Carter Hutton also is a he's a really great goalie. He's he's hot, but he's he through his career has been like a, a very high end backup, streaky, uh, he's very streaky, streaky, exactly right. So will the increased workload? Uh, keep him on his game or will he start to tire out and then also with with uh, Washington um, John Carlson is has a like a 19% shooting percentage right now that's yeah that's not that's sustainable not gonna last. <laughs> uh, he's gonna still rack up points because he's gonna still get a ton of assists but uh, but that shooting percentage is gonna go down um, and uh, and I think they're kind of the the They'll have their their moments where they they kind of hit their their peak and then come back down into the valley a little bit. Yeah, and, yeah, and it's funny that you say the energy line because one of the uh, the best parts of practice for baseball here to pause is the warmups because sometimes uh, coach uh, plus they will be uh, first line or scoring line, second line, uh, <laughs> checking line and energy line. Yeah, there, there you go. go. And then normally I'm on the uh, fifth rotation for healthy scratch. Healthy scratches. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to take a quick break. And up next is one of my good friends from Nashville, Michael Wade. He will be joining us here on the show. So you're listening to 91.5 FM WGRE, your sound alternative. Hi, this is Brad Stevens, head coach of the Boston Celtics. You're listening to 91.5 WGRE, home of DePaul University Athletics. Welcome back to Puck Talk with Spider Jack and Coach Columbus today. Joining us today, I forgot to preview the show uh, 
at the beginning, but we have a very, 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 very special guest in Michael Wade. He is a Vanderbilt. Uh, he's at Vanderbilt University right now in Nashville, Tennessee. Currently, he does data science for the university and hockey stats for Penalty Box Radio. He hosts uh, a podcast produced by Penalty Box Radio in Between the Fangs. Michael, how you doing today? I'm doing well. That's about the the best intro I've ever received. So thanks, Jay. <laughs> well, Michael, um, obviously you've been watching the National Predators progress over the last couple of weeks. Which player do you think will have a, a larger or play larger, so to speak, in the next couple of weeks? So offensively, basically the whole team is at or above my expectations for them, with one exception. Um, and that's really not surprising That should to you. That should be uh, Craig Smith. He's kind of in a weird spot right now. He normally is just shooting every time he gets the puck. Um, but this year he's been a little bit down in his shot production. Yeah. I think that has a lot to do with things like line mates and zone deployment, things like that, that he can't really control. Uh, obviously picked up a goal last night, but maybe it'll turn around. But... Uh, he's really the only offensive player underperforming at this point. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you're paired um, with Nick Benino, there's uh, a lot of uh, variables <laughs> that kind of go in with that. Yeah, I'll keep my <laughs> keep my comments about Nick Benino to a minimum. <laughs> Michael, what uh, what statistic do you feel is most indicative of how a player performs game to game from from sort of the analytical side of things? Yeah. So, I mean, there's so many options offensively of things to look at. I prefer things that measure, uh, you know, shot quality, um, not necessarily from the individual, but from the whole team while that individual is on the ice. So those include kind of like uh, high danger scoring chances, expected goals, things that factor in kind of the, the quality of the scoring chance rather than just the, the number that are being produced. And then you can kind of look at anything with with PDO, uh, which of course is your shooting percentage and save percentage combined, and it's a nice little measure of kind of how lucky a player or team is. So if you look at really anything like you know even just shot attempts, but compare it to PDO, you can get kind of an interesting look at who's legit. Um, if if a player is playing well, will it stick around? And if they're playing poorly, should we expect them to bounce back? Yeah, that's uh, that's that's real interesting that you mentioned PDO because you know, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't think that there's uh, any um, reserve. Uh, I don't think I reserve when I say that I believe that Nick Benino is the luckiest player in the <laughs> NHL. <laughs> Uh, based off how many points he gets per game, he'll pick up a secondary assist, a primary assist. He picked up a primary assist basically from shooting from the point, and Rocco Grimaldi puts a stick on it. It's like, are you kidding me? That that doesn't even make sense. But uh, anyways, Michael, uh, which team is the most complete out of what you have seen thus far? And I, when I say complete, I don't necessarily mean can play both the offensive and the defensive side of the puck phenomenally. Teams that just dominate night in and night out. I mean, just teams that can implement their system uh, from game to game and can really turn the scoreboard around should they need to. So in the Eastern Conference, I would say Carolina continues to impress me. Um, they've been a, kind of a sneaky good defensive team for a couple years now. 
especially with uh, Brett Pesci and, and Dougie Hamilton playing very well this year defensively. Um, they're getting really good offensive production from the really hard to pronounce names like Ryan Dzingle, Martin <laughs> HS, um, and then the not so hard ones like Eric Walla. Um, out West, I'm really just blown away again by Vegas, mostly by their speed. They just have like unbelievable offensive production, especially now with Mark Stone in there. They have, uh, the third highest expect, expected goals for rate in the league right now. So you can kind of expect them to stick around. And both of those teams are actually getting kind of sub-average or average goaltending. So they're not really benefiting from, from luck in that category. So I think Carolina and Vegas can be expected to stick around up at the top. And just to put this into perspective, the Vegas Golden Knights are 11 games in. They have 14 points, and their differential is a positive eight. So they are scoring uh, in spite of average goaltending, like you said, in Carolina. Currently holds second place in the Metropolitan Division, uh, 10 games played with 13 points. Um, yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I think that Vegas is uh, – I think it's Vegas's conference to lose in the West. I think that Carolina yeah, has a little bit of a – I think Carolina has a steeper hill to climb, but Vegas with Mark Stone, uh, who beat the living soul out of Roman Yossi, uh, can, yeah. uh, it, it's Vegas's conference to lose. Yeah, and I believe Mark Stone actually hit Forsberg um, yeah. before he kind of just left with a mystery lower body injury, so he kind of was a wrecking ball, which is not his usual role, but anyhow. Whatever works, right? Yeah. <laughs> Michael, if we have uh, if we have any listeners out there who are fans of maybe bottom half teams out there using uh, uh, sort of your analytical approach, is there an, an another last place team, dark horse candidate who could potentially make a run, sort of uh, a la St. Louis Blues last year? So the team that immediately comes to mind is the Dallas Stars who are not as bad as they have been playing. Right. Offensively, they're just, like, there's nothing going on at all right now in Dallas. And they have pretty big names uh, in their forward core. You have, you know, guys like Radulov, Pavelski, Dagan are kind of producing at relatively mediocre rates. And the whole team is getting a pretty bad break in shooting percentage. So with that, you could expect just kind of a natural regression back up to some better results. Okay. Overall, they're not doing too badly defensively. It's just, I think Jim Montgomery, pretty new coach, needs to just kind of start figuring out how to get the offense clicking, and, and Dallas will start being the dangerous team they were last year. Well, I mean, the difference between this year and last year, I think, is Joe Pavelski. Joe Pavelski was the difference maker in San Jose, and expecting him to be a difference maker in Dallas is not, um, I mean, that's that's not that's not impossible to achieve, mm-hmm. considering the impact that uh, Pavelski had. And, I mean, considering the things that Pavelski brings to the Stars, this team is more offensively inclined despite their age. Would you agree with that, Michael? Yeah, I would I would say so, although they kind of showed in their in the playoff um series last year against Nashville that they can lock it down absolutely. So they're that's why I'd, I'd kind of expect more of them. They're Dallas is more uh, well rounded I'd say than they've been really in the past five or six years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they did some really good moves over the off season. 
Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, this has been really surprising for me to see them kind of struggling. So, yeah, I would expect them to bounce back. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm going to throw you a little bit of a curveball here and ask you a little bit about Colorado. They've played nine yeah. games and uh, acquired 15 points, and their goal differential is positive 12. <clears throat> do you think that, in the absence of Miko Rantanen, that that is sustainable, or do you think that we see a little bit of a decline uh, in the Rocky Top Mountains? So I was actually hoping we could talk about this because I was listening to you guys before um, I came on. So Colorado currently is the only team in the universe of shooting percentage that Nashville is in. Yeah. <laughs> Nashville is like far and away the best team shooting percentage wise. And Colorado is the only team close. Colorado is getting better goaltending than Nashville. They're actually getting right now the best PDO in the league. Wow. So regardless of injuries, I would say Colorado will start falling back to earth at some point. Um, you know, whether they can hang on long enough to to stick around in the playoffs, I would say so. I think the Central is a bit weaker than it's been. So, uh, you know, Colorado, I wouldn't expect them to be the world beaters that they kind of are now, but I think it's they've got a pretty good team. Do you think that it is still their division to lose as of right now, or um, does Nashville take over, or of all teams, does Winnipeg somehow get in the mix? Winnipeg is kind of trending the most poorly of any team I can think of right now in terms of where they were recently and where they are now. Mm -hmm. Nashville, I'd say is really close to figuring it out. I would. I think that Nashville should probably be in the market for another defenseman, and they just really need UC Saros to kind of get it together, which last season Saros started very slowly as well. I'm um, not sure kind of why that is, but he ended up with the better stats between the two goaltenders by the end. So Nashville will start getting much better goaltending from him. Uh, their shooting percentage will come down, but they just have the most insane offensive strengths right now so I think if Nashville can kind of lock it down in in the goals allowed category it it should be their central to win yeah and um, with uh, an impending Matt Duchesne injury and with uh, Philip Forsberg out with some time um, obviously we're going to need the Predators are going to need Kyle Turris and Craig Smith to really step up on those top lines do you think that uh, Mikael Glenlin gets pushed up with Ryan Johansson and Victor Arvidsson, or do you think that they try to reunite uh, the Terrace Glenlin Smith line of last year's playoffs that was, in my opinion, extremely ineffective? So I think they have some flexibility here because I think anyone can produce well with Ryan Johansson and Victor Arvidsson. Yeah, <laughs> Kelly Arncroft. Uh, you, you know, <laughs> certainly not discrediting Kelly Arncroft, who I do like more than your average Predators fan, I would say. Um, but yeah, you're, you're going to get production out of anyone you put up on that wing. As far as tourist goes, I think he's actually, I don't think last season's tourist should really be used as a, a kind of predictor for his performance this year. Hindsight is 2020. I would say that tourist's ankle injury was a little more serious than perhaps we knew. And he's had a summer to figure that out. Mm -hmm. So, I would I would say sure let's let's try the Gremlin Smith Ferris line and I think you could probably expect a lot better results this season than last. 
Yeah. Well, Michael, thank you so much for joining us today. we got to take a short break here. But once again, this is Michael Wade, uh, uh, Penalty Box Radio Analytics Reporter and one of the uh, most intelligent people I've seen on Twitter uh, who gives uh, <laughs> uh, unbelievable numbers. And I, when I think a player is playing well, uh, he tells me that they are definitely not. So I definitely <laughs> appreciate that. There you go. <laughs> um, uh, we will take a short break here, but when, once again, you are listening to 91.5 WGRE, your sound alternative. Welcome to WGRE 91.5. How can I help you? Hi, can I get music with some news? Sure, do you want to make that a combo and get sports on the side? Sports? I love sports. Good. Your total is $0.0. Please pull forward to the second window. It's free? Yeah. WGRE serves up music, news, and sports all free 24-7 at 91.5. WGRE 91.5, your sound alternative. Can I get Garth Brooks with a side of Fergie? Welcome back to Puck Talk with Spider Jack and Coach Columbus today. We were just joined by Michael Wade, a Vanderbilt analytics person and a Penalty Box Radio analytics reporter. Now we want to talk... Or I specifically want to talk a little <laughs> bit about the uh, the Minnesota Wild and the Chicago Blackhawks. Now, here's the deal. Coach, I don't know if I've told you th- about this a little bit. Yes. But over the break, my baseball teammates here at the Paw expressed that they were going to a Blackhawks game. Mm-hmm. And, you know... Not many people here in Greencastle, Indiana, enjoy the wonderful uh, game that is hockey. Yes. And so it's as if it was like a silver lining. Yes, I can finally talk about the thing (laughs) that makes me happy more than anything. And, excuse me, I've got a little bit of a cold. They mentioned that, that they were going to the Blackhawks game, and it was against the Edmonton Oilers, the first win of their season. And I believe I said something along the lines of, LOL, good luck with that undefeated Edmonton team. And you know what happened, Coach? I was immediately removed from the group chat. <laughs> just just cut the cancer right out, right? Spiteful. <laughs> spiteful Blackhawks fans. So I asked myself, okay, am I being too partisan here? And I wrote an entire article about the first four games that the Blackhawks have played. And no, I'm not being partisan. As a matter of fact, I'm being really, really fair when I say they are not good. Right. Um, As Michael said, uh, he looks at total shot attempts uh, to determine whether a team is playing well or not. I go a little bit further, Mm -hmm. and I look at uh, total shot attempts, expected goals for, scoring chances for, and high danger chances for. And... The higher the percentage, the better they played. And that's and as you know, hockey is turning into an offensive game, rather a defensive game. So if they were better in terms of Corsi 4, uh, expected goals, scoring chances, and high dangers, they played better. So I looked at the Blackhawks through their first four games. Mm-hmm. And the first game that they and the first game that they played well was against the Edmonton Oilers. And they won that game. So I was like, okay, maybe if they continue this trend, they won't. And they they, 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 they definitely haven't, but that's okay. Because um, 
over their course of games, when they've outplayed their opponents, which has been three times this season, they are 1-2-0. and oh. When they get outplayed, they are 1-2-2. Two, and two. So, obviously, early trends can be deceiving, but that means when they are playing their best game, they are winning 33% of the time. <laughs> not uh, not going to get it done. Not going to get That's it done. Not, uh, you don't like those odds. No. And making the transition from being a writer, from a fan to a writer, is very hard. Because me being the 17-year-old kid that got my first hockey writing gig, I really wanted the Predators to win the Stanley Cup so I could say, ha, 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 I was right. And you know what? I discovered through two years of doing this, maybe they're not as good as I'd like them to be. Sure. So, you know, and then I don't know if there was any residue or uh, remnants of my um, former hatred of the Chicago Blackhawks. So I looked at it from an objective standpoint. And objectively, they're not good. Mm -hmm. And I'm not really sorry about saying that. Well, you look at... uh at the fact that through eight games, six points, with talent like Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane, you would think that at at some point Patrick Kane can can pull you through a close game, right? Uh, and having a a defense that that's anchored by Duncan Keith, you go, oh, great, that's cool, good start, but then. You start to go. Oh, he's paired with Connor Murphy. Okay, not bad, but that's that's who you got got going. And I I love Connor Murphy because he's a he's a Columbus Ohio boy. So I I, I love love following that guy. But um, but still, like that's that's how you start back there. And then after you name DeBrinket, mm-hmm. and after you get to Strom, mm-hmm. who is still coming into his own he's not not there quite yet but like good luck getting a lot out of the rest of that that forward right so and and then keep in mind you've got you've got a a stanley cup winning goalie and one of last year's hottest goalies in the league and robin leonard and both of those guys are putting up some uh, uh let's just say they're not uh not giving anything to write home about in terms of a uh, Robin Robin Leonard leading the way, okay. le- leading the way on the team with a two point four four goals against average, and a, uh, he, I mean he's got the nine twenty two, not bad, mm-hmm. okay, but Corey Crawford <laughs> is. Uh, it's uh, amazing. You might, you might as well put the 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 shooting trainer out there instead. That he, might that might help a little bit better. It's amazing what concussions will do. Right. Oh my gosh. And Robin Leonard's supposed to be the backup. Right. And Corey Crawford is supposed to be uh, the starting goaltender. And they're not getting what they need. And Patrick Kane, who's a hundred ten point player formerly, is on pace for eighty two points. Mm-hmm. And the difference between. 110 points and 82 points is an astounding 28 points. Right. That's very, very, very big. Very big. Now, that's not to take away from Patrick Kane. That's not to say that 82 points aren't valuable, but they're not getting the most out of Patrick Kane. 
They're right. not getting the most out of Corey Crawford. They're definitely not getting the most out of Jonathan Taves. They're just not playing like a playoff team needs to play. Yeah. Well, and I think it's funny when you look at off-season moves and stuff for them. Yeah. Uh, and if you look at the off-season moves they've had over the past couple of seasons, um, and it's it's kind of funny because it almost um, there are some parallels that you could draw to other Chicago sports teams, uh, but their moves are always let's get the band back together. <laughs> you know, like okay, we we shipped out Brandon Sod. Okay, let's bring let's let's get Sod back. That's that's what we were missing. <laughs> and then Sod, you know, he 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 puts up a decent amount of points, but he's not he's not the same player that they traded to Columbus. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's okay, you know, let's let's bring back Andrew Shaw. We we need we need that grit. You right. know, we need we need that agitator to to really get the boys going in the room. And. Shaw Shaw doesn't bring that. I mean, no. oh, I mean, he cer- certainly brings that, but but he's not going to bring uh, more wins in the in the standings, right? And um, and and it it just seems like it's the classic. Well, this guy was really good three years ago, <laughs> so maybe maybe the lightning's going to strike again, and uh, and we can we can get that group back together, and we'll and we'll win some more cups. But it's just it's, it's, it's not just not case. happening. It's not yeah. the case. Yep. And kind of going off of that, Oli Mata was an off-season pickup. Yep. Very successful defenseman with the Pittsburgh Penguins has put up two points in eight games. Right. Now, objectively, and I, again, this is the whole point of this segment, try to stay as objective as possible. Yep. Early trends are deceiving. But I highly doubt we'll see a run like the Stanley Cup final champion St. Louis Blues team within the next 10 years because that is a very rare occurrence where you can fight at practice consistently Mm -hmm. you can fire your coach and you can hear an old catchy 80s song in a bar and just get so inspired to win the cup (laughs) I highly doubt and uh, again if I'm wrong at the end of the year and the Chicago Blackhawks are holding up a, a Stanley Cup final uh, in United Center in uh, June, I will gladly eat these words. <laughs> but they're not good right now. And I don't think that they're close to figuring out how to fix their problems. And that sort of transitions into the Minnesota Wild. Because the Minnesota Wild are in not necessarily the same ship. I think they're in a sinking ship. Yes. The Minnesota Wild, much like the Blackhawks, have nothing going on. Nothing going on. They have been outplayed. They have outplayed five opponents and been 2-3-0 and and outplayed their opponents 1-4-0. And then out they split. I'm sorry. Let me start this over. They've split their games in terms of being outplayed and outplaying their opponents, and they are two, three, and zero when they outplay their opponents, and they're one, four, and zero when they get outplayed. That's not good. That is not good by a number of standards. And the reason I bring the Minnesota Wild up is because uh, a particular fan from Minnesota tweets at me last night after I uh, comment on the Preds games. Goes, "You're six, three, and one." 
The Wild sucked, no argument, but how did they shut out the 7-1-1 and one and one Oilers two days ago? Uh, <laughs> where, where, where is it? Where is it? Uh, not stating that they are good, but are they a bad team, or are you just being too partisan a writer? Do you believe in qualitative factors like leadership? <laughs> the Wild could easily be 5-5, five and five, not 3-7. and seven. Trust me, we're a sophisticated fan base here. Clearly sophisticated, because you're tweeting at an eight, a nineteen-year-old kid who's just trying to make it. Right. Oh my gosh! No, the Wild are not good. The Wild, the, the Wild are not good. They outplayed the Predators in the first period and then were dominated for the rest of the game. Um, that's that's not me being a fan. That's not me being a partisan writer. That's me looking at the stats from the game. Mm -hmm. That's me watching the game. That's me seeing that Mika Salamaki, an AHL dominant player who's done nothing in the NHL, score on the hottest goaltender in Minnesota right now. Mm -hmm. That's me being being as objective as possible. I I don't know how I, I, I don't know how. I don't know how you can say that the Wild are going to be good. I don't know how you can say the Wild and the Blackhawks are going to make some noise in the playoffs because their star, Devin Dubnik, who was hurt, has an 880 save percentage. That's not good. I don't know, and I don't know if they're just if they're just looking for things to argue about. I don't know if they're tweeting for things to argue about, but objectively, the two weakest teams in the Central Division as of right now, as of take away advanced analytics, take away the standings, or take away s- stats in general, individual stats, look at the standings. They are 6th and 7th, respectively. 28th and 31st in the league. I don't know how much more fair I could possibly get. Yeah. I I mean, I think a lot, a lot of the times I, I look at teams in terms of... Um, more of the the general manager approach that's that's sort of my nerd following of of the nhl is is from the acquisition transaction type of a uh, type of a lens right and you look at minnesota and you go okay well what have you what have you accomplished over the past couple years right nothing you occasionally get in you, you get into the playoffs you don't make any noise, mm-hmm. right? You you don't ever feel like okay, Minnesota. Oh man, if if they get it going, that that's a that's a good run into the you know the Western Conference Final or something like that. You don't ever feel that. Mm-mm. Yet they they keep the pretty much the same core of their roster going every single year, and they never produce. Mm-hmm. So from the sort of GM lens. Why would you not sell off some of those guys in at last year's trade deadline? Why would you not uh, try to uh, the, the one that I I was surprised at was uh, was Jason Zucker? Like you could have got something for that guy at the at the deadline. A lot of picks at A the next picks. draft. Yeah, you you could have you could sell off Eric Stahl. Mm-hmm. To a team that needs some leadership at the deadline, and um, Q Winnipeg Jets, get, right? Exactly, <laughs> and uh, 
and and you can you can get something from them and then hopefully jumpstart the rebuild mm-hmm. right but it seems like a team that's totally fine with just hanging out in the middle mm-hmm. hanging out in the obscurity of being mediocre and uh the best that those teams can hope for is a second place wild card right right exactly especially with the way the western conference is set up right now mm-hmm. i mean en- enjoy enjoy having you know a suitor on your team because that that's about all you got that's about all you got right now is is an is a name on the back of a jersey mm-hmm. you know uh no offense to to suitor he's a nice player but uh but my god kevin fiala is a healthy scratch we've talked <laughs> right. about kevin fiala but he is a much better player than a healthy scratch on a team like the Minnesota Wild. Well, and, and you got you got a little bit of infighting going on. New general manager Bill Guerin's trying to uh, trying to pull everybody back to the middle a little bit. But you've got um, last week you had Jason Zucker uh, call out Bruce Boudreau, their their coach, uh, in addition to calling out the rest of the team. Yeah, and for. For a brief moment, it looked like, oh, maybe that was the the jolt they needed. But you look at last night's game in the uh, the four zero loss um, to the uh, to the Predators, and uh, look at Zucker's line from from last night with uh, three shots on goal and a nice minus four to hang next to his name. So if you're gonna if you're gonna call out your teammates, if you better call back out your it coach, up. You got to back it up and. Uh, and that uh, that whole top line from Minnesota just couldn't get it done last night. Nope. And uh, again, with the whole partisan issue, I just got a notification from uh, avid St. Louis Blues fan, Coach Allen, ah, nice. who's uh, <laughs> listening in right now. He says, St. Louis people are just tougher than most, especially tougher than Tennesseans. Blues will repeat. Deal with it. And on that note, we are going to take a break because, well, I am probably going to get cut from the team for that one. But uh, uh, we'll take a quick break here, and then hopefully we will have some more hockey to talk about here. (laughs) We'll have more hockey to talk about. But you are listening to 91.5 WGRE, your sound alternative. Hi, this is Brad Stevens, head coach of the Boston Celtics. You're listening to 91.5 WGRE, home of DePaul University Athletics. And we're back with more puck talk. Spider Jack and Coach Columbus on the track. Um, I, I guess I'll address Coach Allen's um, yeah, Blues will repeat. Uh, they have the top three teams in the Central Division right now have uh, definitely split um, good games and bad games, and the St. Louis Blues are on an upward twin trend right now. Um, they uh, the St. Louis Blues are playing well. I the hangover did not last long. The the, the cup hangover did not last long. Um, I do think that uh, it's a much tighter race than um, most people will presume, and uh, it will definitely come down to who gets hurt, who can stay healthy, and um, you know I think that it's. Uh, at first, I thought it was Dallas, and then I thought it was Colorado, and then I, you know, now that Rantanen's out, I'm not sure what's going to happen with who. So um, I'd say that the race right now is uh, between Dallas, 
Colorado, Nashville, and St. Louis. And any one of those teams can win the division, and any one of those teams can uh, can definitely face up against the rest of the Western Conference. But I think that the Western Conference final will probably be two Central Division teams. That's just me speaking. I don't know if that'll be correct or not, but uh, I, I don't really see... Um, I don't even. I, I I just I just don't see um, who's going to win it because those four teams are really dominant mm-hmm. and really strong. And objectively, to Coach Allen, yes, the St. Louis Blues are good, and it does look sustainable. So we'll see. I mean, they'll the the Blues uh, they'll they'll hang a couple of uh, of bad periods up there. Yeah, they 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 definitely have their moments where they they have a little hiccup along the road, uh, but they do finish really well. Yeah, and a lot of it has to obviously go with uh, still riding the momentum from from last season. Uh, but I think outside of that central division, you can you can still look at you can still target Vegas. Yeah, um, we'll we'll see what they look like. Uh, as the as the year goes on, but you can still target Vegas with the uh, with their speed. Calgary is a team that it seems like they're like they could flip either way. Yeah, um, and I think a lot of that has to uh, has to depend on uh, on goaltending. They last in in last night's game uh, they uh, against uh, the Florida Panthers. They they had some some big saves from big save Dave. Riddich, uh, <laughs> and uh, who had had been on in in, uh, in relief of uh, of Cam Talbot, giving him a night off. Uh, so if if that goaltending tandem can can stay um, at least above sort of average, and if they can get Johnny Gaudreau going a little bit more, uh, you know maybe that's a maybe that's a team that could uh, could make a little bit of noise, but mm-hmm. at the same time. Uh, I think Vegas right at the moment with the speed and then somebody from the Central will win the Western Conference. Yeah, and uh, allow me to correct myself. I, I, I should have uh, not said that two Central Division teams will be in the Western Conference Final. I think that Vegas definitely makes it to the Western Conference Final, assuming they don't implode like they did against the San Jose Sharks. But uh, well, maybe there's a... Uh, I mean, there could always be a second wild card from the western conference who gets shipped over to the pacific side of the uh of the bracket right and, uh and makes a run through vegas so it so it can happen you know yeah. not, uh nothing uh nothing says it can't so yeah and uh coach i i just wanted to highlight a little bit on your uh, uh columbus blue jackets looking at the way that they've played i i'm kind of impressed uh, they have, they have not been extremely better. They have not been extremely worse. They've played middle of the road, mm-hmm. uh, just trade chances, trade chances, trade chances, and they are residing at uh, fourth in the Metropolitan Division, right tied with the New York Islanders. Well, and they've had, they've had chances in in some of those losses too. They're they're playing a lot of one goal games. Uh, Jonas Corposalo is coming in and. And giving them good starts uh, for a while, uh, the sort of general joke around uh, you know Blue Jackets Twitter and message boards and all that kind of stuff was uh, 
was call, calling them the uh, the Columbus Two Jackets because it, <laughs> it seemed like everything was just two to two, two to two, two to two going into the third. Right, and then um, uh, they're getting a lot of experience in uh, in overtime, which they has been uh, a, a definite definite plus for them in the past. They had a guy named Artemi Panarin last year that, yeah. that helped them in the in yeah, overtime. They, 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 they did, but at the, but at the same time, they uh, did. They, they have it. Uh, they feel like they've got it down to a science. Yeah, where if they can win the opening face off of of overtime, usually send out a guy like Boone Jenner, good face off guy, and then if he wins it back to Seth Jones, he sprints as fast as he possibly can <laughs> off the ice, and out comes Pierre Luc Dubois. Uh, to try to uh, to try to help Jones sort of run the three on three play, uh, and then Atkinson circles uh, kind of in the high slot and uh, and tries to to just find open ice uh, to be available for passes or one timers. But uh, but the, the, it's a it's a good group. Uh, I think uh, they they've been saying all season long that John Tortorella just absolutely loves this team compared to last year's team, Mm -hmm. Uh, which certainly is a lot of coach speak, I'm sure. But (laughs) at the same time, it it does, it does match. They do match the, the Tortorella mold where it's hardworking team have to score as a group, right? Not just, Oh, let's wait for Panarin to, to just dominate. Yeah. And uh, to put this into perspective, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Seth Jones, and Cam Atkinson, the three players you named, are leading the Columbus Blue Jackets in points. And uh, I suppose that that's good because I have both Atkinson and uh, Luc Dubois on my fantasy teams. There you go. So uh, very, very good. The only issue I have with Columbus right now is the offense. Certainly. Because their goal differential is negative six. Yes. But they are hanging around. Mm-hmm. They're hanging around, and I don't, I, I don't know if they can. They've got a bunch of cap space. They can go after free agents, but I think that if Columbus can sustain and can just, just, just hold on, mm-hmm. just hold on till the GMs can work something out and they get, um, they, they get an offensive firepower back in, things might look a little bit different in the postseason for Columbus. Oh yeah. Teams, uh, teams needing a, a a defenseman. Yeah, especially I mean, if especially if you need a a bottom pair defenseman, give give uh, my man Yarmo Kekalainen a a call because uh, he's waiting. <laughs> he's waiting to to make a move on on that. Now it does it does work well for them. Uh, Ryan Murray, one of their better defensemen, is very injury injury prone. Mm-hmm. So having that extra defenseman, certain the extra defensive depth certainly helps them. But uh, but at the same time, I think he's just just uh, tapping his hand on the on the table, just waiting for for somebody to give him a call. He's watching that phone, uh, ready to go. Yeah, and um, well, who would fit into the Columbus system the best? Um, we talked a little bit about this a couple uh, a couple episodes ago about um, potentially uh, Patrick Line or a uh, right. Or uh, I don't know, Amico Rantanen, but uh, those appear to be out of the question. So, if there was one player that you think would fit into the system best, who would you say? I think if you're looking at a team that needs defensive help, mm-hmm. I'm still looking at Winnipeg, right? Um, and I understand that the uh, 
line A would be a you know way f- far out there dream. <laughs> Kyle Connor would be perfect, yeah, but a high price tag. Mm-hmm. So bounce down just one half of a tier to Nikolai Ehlers, mm-hmm. and and that's a guy that that would play well in the system. Yeah. Uh, now the greater needs probably down the middle. Um, but uh, but they could sure use a uh, a score with speed like like an Ehlers, um, where they might be able to match up not maybe not one for one, mm-hmm. but but at least close enough to where they're making a hockey trade as opposed to uh, someone just trying to uh, to sell off somebody. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I feel like Kyle Connor is uh, it would be perfect. Sure, Columbus Blue oh, Jackets. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like in order to get him, it would just cost uh, a lot of uh, what I like to call third and fourth line money. Yes, you know, a lot of players that could um, sort of fit into the system, but definitely help the offense. Well, if you're if you're if they're getting Connor, they're definitely giving up one of their defensemen. So let's let's just assume it's either Ryan Murray or David Savard, uh, who are both big big parts of the the picture in Columbus. Uh, then they have to give up probably Liam Foodie, who's their top prospect in, mm-hmm. in uh, junior right now, um, who has a ton of jump in his skates, uh, who is going to play the Tortorella style really well. Yeah. Um, and then they then they would have to give up one of these secondary young secondary scorers that they're really relying upon, whether that's uh, Alexander Texier, Oliver Bjorkstrand, or. Uh, Emil Bemstrom, who they're waiting to kind of get going, uh, but you start throwing in one of those three, and it it starts to look like a trade where you're like, oh, we better we better make sure that that Connor's the right guy. Mm-hmm. Yep, and um, I don't know. I, I guess I'd just be uh, dreaming if I'd say that uh, uh, we Nashville definitely needs a defenseman, just sure. like Columbus does. Um, it, it, it's hard to speculate. To see what which guy would fit where when you because obviously you'd be like okay I want PK Subban I want uh, <laughs> right. Roman Yossi yeah. I want all those guys to come in but then you think about the calorie saps calorie salary cap situation uh-huh. I am so sleep deprived a salary cap situation you think about what kind of things that they're um, what kind of things that Columbus is trying to do each game I don't think Columbus takes the let's score more goals than the other team approach I think mm-hmm. they take uh, take more of a let's make sure our transitions are good and let's you know score the when neutral we can. zone yeah you know? score yeah. when we can um, it's kind of hard to judge uh, how Columbus will do because if I mean, if they play average hockey, they'll make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, that's just the way that the NHL is set up right now. But once the Seattle team comes into question, it'll be a little bit different. Uh, folks, we are just about out of time here with Puck Talk. Uh, some interesting news, and I uh, I wanted to tell Coach Buste about this on air. I've told him a million times off the air. <laughs> but I will be covering my first game with the Indy Fuel the yes. uh, ECHL 
hockey affiliates of the Chicago Blackhawks. First game is tonight at 7 o'clock, and then it'll be hauling out Saturday night as well. So I will have two video recaps on D3 TV and Penalty Box Radio. Perfect. Love it. Love minor league hockey. <laughs> well, folks, that's all the time that we have. Thank you once again for joining me in studio, Coach Busse, from all of us here at DePaul University. You are listening to 91.5 